Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Inland Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Today, we are jumping into a conversation with my good friend, Niall Bayer. And it's kind of crazy how it all happened, right? We have a call on Fridays, which I missed, <laughs> but we usually talk all the time. And I was like, you know what, man, we haven't had you on the podcast in a while. And he's like, you know what? I got something I want to say. So today we're just going to chat a little bit. I'm going to let him tell you what we're going to talk about, but I am excited to have my good friend, colleague, inspirational buddy, Niall Bayer. Welcome back to the show. Man. Thank you so much. I got to add inspirational buddy to my bio. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, because you say stuff. I, I see your Twitter. I mean, you know, we talk all the time. So it's just like, I really find inspiration. I don't like to use motivation because motivation leaves, I think. But inspiration, like I'm, in, I'm truly inspired to do things after I talk to you, which is great to have in a friend. And thanks so much. I definitely feel the same way about you. So the feeling is for sure mutual. You're a huge inspiration, motivator, somebody who like holds me accountable. So you're one of my biggest accountability partners. That's for sure. I appreciate all that. And having me on the show today. So last time we talked was over a year ago, I was on the show and we talked about compass versus map, some kind of mental models that help you build a system in your own life to achieve what you're looking to do, success or however you measure it. And yesterday when you hit me up, you're like, Hey, can you come on the show after we're talking back and forth? Like I need somebody. And it's so serendipitous because we are three days away from my one year anniversary of this experiment that I I've called becoming a morning person. And so throughout this past year, people have asked me about it. What am I doing? And I just refused to write or speak about it because it was an experiment. And I didn't know what it was going to evolve into or if I was going to quit and leave it. I'm known to pick up a project and leave it. I'm not one who, when I buy a book, I'm going to read it all the way to the back. If I don't like it after chapter two, I'm out. And I might love the first chapter and tell everybody about it. Or even worse, I'll start reading a book from the middle or the back and work my way towards the front. So I'm just a weirdo in that sense. And so I wasn't going to speak on this subject until a year had gone by. That was my commitment to myself. And you didn't know that. And you hit me up two days before that one year anniversary. I just published my Substack and started taking subscribers. But my first post is going to be about this. And you guys get the audio version of it as I'm kind of working through the outline. So I'm really excited that this just so happened to work out. And you know, success is when preparation meets opportunity. And here we are. That's it, right? We got to give the people what they want. Give the people what they want. And I'll tell you this, if you hadn't had a chance to listen to that other episode, this is just a shameless plug for Niall and, and the Minority Money Podcast. But the podcast was absolutely incredible. It was Compass versus Map. And if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to that, this would be a good time to listen to that and then come back and listen to what Niall's going to drop today. We're excited. We don't want to tease the people anymore. We're going to go ahead and jump in. So if you've been following me on Twitter or you haven't, something I've been raving about for the past year is becoming a morning person and how it's transformed my life in particular. And, you know, I was always what I would call quote unquote night person. And I think that kind of defining who you are by 
your like chromatic sense. When you wake up, the time on the clock is just kind of a ridiculous construct. Obviously, time is a construct that we assign to where we're at in life. And we're just on a rock going around a ball of gas that's going around a bunch of other rocks and balls of gases. So defining our short time in life by whether or not we like the mornings or we like the night is kind of a ridiculous state of mind to begin with. So I found that I was kind of caught in that rut and had to kind of make a change, but even to back up before that. So I want to say that becoming a morning person to me is not a story about becoming a morning person or becoming a night person or whatever. It's a story about transformation. It's a story about change. And it just so happens to be my story. And I hope that it inspires somebody to your point, Emlyn, to maybe make the change that they have in their life, which doesn't necessarily have to be a morning person. Maybe it's changing how they think about their finances or changing their own personal health, or maybe they want to achieve some goal that's bigger than I could even imagine. And maybe there's just a little nugget in here in the next 30 minutes that we have together that you can take away to make an impact on your life or the lives of others. And that would be a huge blessing for me. So I appreciate that. But when you have a behavior change, it changes who you are as a person. And so going into that, you have to know your personal brand, so to speak. So I own that as far as becoming a morning person. That was a one big hack that I had was I know this is going to change who I am. And I'm going to come out the gate announcing it to everybody to cut through that layer of what the hell is going on in Niall's life. And so that's where coming out and being a morning person helped do that as far as my personal brand. Because when you make those changes, people are going to look at you like you're crazy. There's a great quote that I read in a book. Just recently, I was hanging out with my son who's 12 and his friend who have coached baseball since they're little kids. And now they're like competitive kids who are obsessed with baseball. And what I told them was without change, there would be no challenges. Without challenges, there would be no evolution or growth. And so if you feel like you're stuck in a rut, challenging yourself is huge. So let me back up to the genesis of when I decided why September 1 is so important to me. So going through the pandemic was leading up to it, 2020. Working from home, that was a brand new thing for me personally. I'm in a marketing role. So my day-to-day job, I'm the chief marketing officer of both an asset management company that helps institutional asset managers. And we influence over 30, 35 billion in assets there, as well as a technology company that helps financial advisors coordinate estate plans for their clients. So, And we had launched that tech side just under it. I mean, it was only less than a year old at that point. So we were in high growth mode, COVID hit, and everything had to shift. So my whole marketing schematic for the year was just burnt in flames. A lot of it was built around what we're doing at conferences, things like that, visiting different advisors' offices, having these events, blah, 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 throw that out. You know, we have to restart. And so there was a lot of, okay, how am I going to hit my performance metrics during this time where everything's changing? Not only that, but the market sold off. Being in finance was a very uncertain year to say the least. So I was working, I fell into this trap of working around the clock for five, six, seven days a week. I mean, I started tracking my time at the end and it was like 60, 70, 80 hours. And not everybody, you know, I love everybody I work, but not everybody is willing to put in that amount of work. And so there was a lot of, I need to pick up the slack in other areas. And what ended up happening, as you would imagine, is I hit insane burnout. And I hit burnout on a Friday, like after I finished the week, because there's something about setting goals in your mind. Like when you run a marathon, if I can make it to that tree, I'm going to survive. And as soon as you pass that tree, you fall down, pass out. So Friday was my treat. And I completely hit the wall. I've never experienced burnout before. And I pretty much slept that entire weekend. I mean, I was out burnout in a health condition sense. And I remember waking up on Sunday as a father of three after hitting burnout and realizing that I had to do something. I'm not going to go into this week. And in knowing myself and I have a family history of people being in depression and things like that, 
bipolar disorder. And I was like, from a mental health perspective, I cannot let this slip because if it does slip, then I could be in a very dark place one month, two months from now. And I'm a father and people that I have to take care of so that that's just not an option. What am I going to do? And so that's when I was like, all right, something that would rapidly change who I am. I've always been a night owl. I'll work till three in the morning. I'm going to become a morning person and completely shock my system. So that's kind of the backstory to how becoming a morning person happened for me specifically. Now to back up, to be able to have that realization of get up now, you have to go in my own kind of mental dialogue that I was having. I remember being 14, 15 years old. So I grew up in San Jose and I used to skateboard to school, walk to school, bike to school, whatever. And I lived kind of for the people who know the Bay Area. I lived in kind of the triangle of Santa Clara, Cupertino, San Jose. I lived on the San Jose side, but I would go Stevens Creek Boulevard is my route to school. I went to Cupertino High School. And in order to get to Stevens Creek Boulevard, I had to go up Lawrence Expressway. And then I had to cross over an off ramp of the I-280. And the 280 for those in the Bay Area is in San Jose, you got the 101, you got the 280, and then all these other freeways off of that. But those are the two big ones. So the 280 is a huge one going into Cupertino. And there's a off-ramp from the 280 that I have to cross to get to Stevens Creek to go up to my high school. Then I would take the bus line or just skate up there. And in this off-ramp from coming from my direction up Lawrence Expressway, it was a blind turn. People would fly around this thing. I mean, they'd be going 65, 75, 85, all the way to the stoplight at Stevens Creek. It was a really long off-ramp and just kind of a, a gradual turn. But when you would cross the crosswalk as a pedestrian, there's a moment where it was a blind corner for the pedestrian. They couldn't see you. Now, when you would cross this crosswalk, it was only you know one lane, so it wasn't very far, but there was these big bumps from where the concrete met the curb. And as a skateboarder, you would take the advantage of that bump if you were going and you know do something fun. And so one day I was skating there, it was a morning, San Jose fog, very dense in the Bay Area. And I hit that corner, I fell flat on my face, going full speed in the middle of that crosswalk. And it hurt obviously really bad. And I'm laying on my face and I remember half a second went by and I realized if you don't get up right now, you are going to die. And so I immediately jumped up, even though I was in an insane amount of pain, so I was going full speed, grabbed my skateboard. And as soon as I got to the other side of the crosswalk, a BMW came flying by like 65 miles an hour. And immediately I was just like shook that if I didn't make that decision while I was in an extreme amount of pain, I would have died. And so I was in a lot of pain. This is something to clarify, in a lot of pain. And after I got up and all my adrenaline was rushing, I like sat down for a solid five minutes because I fell really hard. And even when you fall hard, there's an opportunity for a harder fall. And a lot of times, if you don't get up and have that clarity, that bus is still coming. That BMW is still coming and it will run you. It doesn't care about what state of being you're in at that moment. And that clarity, I had the exact same kind of feeling when I reached burnout in August of last year of, I have to do something now because I know that bus is coming and it's going to truck me over. Or I guess fast forward from that skateboard incident about six years later, I had my son at just turned 20 years old, 2008. He was born on the day that Obama was elected president. So change for the country, change for me. And, you know, it was an incredible day that I can look back to what else was going on at that time. I was living in San Diego. The Great Recession was in the midst of it. In San Diego at that time, the unemployment rate for somebody age 18 to 25 was above 50%. I mean, and this is a dense college school town. Recession hit. Everybody needed a job. And how are you going to compete with 45-year-olds who need a job when you're 18, 20 years old who need a job? So what does that mean for somebody like me who needs to raise a child? 
and support them is that I took any job that I could at the time. And so I was working graveyard and working graveyard for two years completely changed my outlook on how you can completely shift your body and your mindset to be able to adjust to any time of the day. And I know a lot of people get who've worked in the military have the same realization. You can change your body, you can change your mind. All of those kind of constructs that we give ourselves that I'm not this, I'm not that, go out the window when you're working greater for yourself. And so working through that graveyard helped me change my sleep cycle to say, okay, being a morning person or being a night person is irrelevant when you got to go to work and get it done. So that was an experience in and of itself to say, okay, this whole narrative that we play in our head about who we are is garbage. You could be anybody that you want and you're just giving yourself excuses. Now, fast forward after that, all the way up until when I reached burnout. So from working graveyard 10 years later to where I was last year, I had been working under this prioritization schedule or hierarchy of priorities that was completely incorrect. And it, it caused frustration with myself. It caused frustration with my wife. I wasn't being a good enough father. I wasn't serving my community as well as I would like to and hitting a lot of friction points there, just feeling like I'm swimming upstream. You know that feeling, Emily, when you're swimming downstream in a river, you can go a half a mile and go, oh, snap, I didn't realize that we went so far. You know, you're sitting in an inner tube on the American River. If you swim upstream against the current, you can exert all your energy that you can. It could take you half an hour to go 500 yards. You go nowhere, maybe. Yeah, you can actually go backwards. And so I had felt like I had been swimming upstream for 10 years. And this is big breakthrough that I had. So my prioritization was number one was to my children. Then it was to my wife. And she might argue that it was to my community before her. If she was here, she might be calling me to the mat on that one. And then, you know, so kids, wife, community, family, region, world, very last was me. What I realized at that point was I had it all backwards. I need to put myself as number one. And I need my wife to put herself as number one. Because if I can't take care of myself, then how can I take care of you? And if we can't take care of each other, then how are we going to take care of our kids? And if we can't take care of our kids, then how are we going to take care of our family? And if we can't take care of our family, how are we going to take care of our community? in the region, in the world, and so on and so forth. And when you have those in the wrong order, it just causes problems and you hit these resistance points where you're swimming upstream. You don't even know why. And I'm utterly convinced that you have to take care of yourself first and not in a selfish sense, but you're doing it so that you can take care of other people and that you can leverage the relationships that you have to achieve more than you could ever try to do if you did it the other way around. Does that make sense? Yeah, let me jump in right there because basically you're talking about self-care. That's what you're talking about. You have to be able to get those things done. And I think that what happens a lot of time is we self-care and being selfish are sometimes synonymous and they shouldn't be, right? People will say, well, yeah, you know, it's self-care and then it teeters on being selfish. But if you know, you're saying you talked about burnout and I wanted to jump in then, but I, I needed you to finish that thought. But because so many people find themselves in burnout because of lack of self-care and lack of the priorities that you were talking about. So those things all are combination working against you if you're not being intentional about the way you use them. So I would definitely agree with you there. And yeah, continue, please continue. Yeah. When you have an alignment within yourself and your family and your community, all that, what I've found is that evolution and growth occurs to a degree you never thought were imaginable. That all these other things that are going on in the universe is way bigger than us start aligning. If you trying to align them yourselves, 
And now you can be in true alignment with yourself and all these things that happen outside of you. Your intuition becomes much stronger than it ever would have been before. That's the key impact. Now, the key takeaways for me are that, number one, large doors swing on small hinges. That's an adage that I remember hearing and it's stuck with me forever. And it's kind of been my approach to being a financial professional or just moving through the professional landscape in general is that I came in kind of through a unique way. And I've always had this kind of, I need to be the linchpin of wherever I'm working in that environment. So small hinges, moving big doors is a big one. A lot of people are like, they go after the big door and they don't even think about the small hinge. And they're like, why is this door so hard to move? You work on the hinge first or sharpen your ax before you go chopping wood. There's a lot of great metaphors there. I think one I heard this weekend, I got to throw it in there. It was just so ballast point of the ship, how small it is and how much of the ship it controls. Turns everything. Turns everything, right? In that same vein, and then shout out to Mr. Sean Tidlaska, because he's the one, that's the name of his firm, actually, Ballast Point. And we actually talked about why he named it Ballast Point, because the ballast, it was pretty deep. So shout out to him, but it fit in right here. And I wanted to make sure that we uh, threw that example in there, too. We were in the bay. We were talking about that, talking about ships coming into the bay. And we know how important, I mean, you can't navigate through there without it. That's awesome. And way to have that clarity to name your firm or your company after that. That's huge. I love that. So yeah, large doors swing on small hinges. The subtopic of that is that habits are like the compound interest of self-improvement. So you, you develop these habits and they start compounding on top of each other. And you look back after a year and it's like, wow, how much have I achieved? I mean, when I first started being a morning person, the first thing I did for self-care is working out in the morning and lifting because I'd gotten down to a weight I haven't been to. So I have the reverse problem of most people. My metabolism is really fast. And when you work a lot and you're not moving a bunch combined with COVID and everything else, and you're not eating as much as I should because I'm just powering through it and you're not taking care of yourself, what happens? Weight starts coming up. So I was like, in order for me to to get this back. First thing in the morning, I need to take care of myself. And what's the one area that I'd been slacking on was exercise and working out. So when I first started, I was sore from doing three sets of 10 squats with just the bar. One year today, now I'm doing three sets of 10 at 295. Like these habits, they compound on top of each other. And when I look back, I'm like, wow, you know, I can't wait to see how much I build on top of that from here on. Obviously, I was extremely motivated during that year, but that's just my story. And it's amazing how I would have never thought that I could get there in a year. Just keep going. One thing that I realized is that, all right, I want to start with becoming the person that I want to be in the future. I'm not going to wait until that future date. I'm going to mentally approach this as if I'm that person today. And I think that was a huge hack. So I came out of the gate swinging on September 1st. I am now a morning person. This is me. And all I did was wake up at like 745 that morning and go and hit 15 minutes of working out, you know, because I knew that there were small steps I had to take, but I was convinced that I was already that person today. And so I had inadvertently. So looking back, I stumbled across Atomic Habits by James Clear, which is a great book. I recommend everybody get it. But I had inadvertently adopted a lot of his principles out of that book. And I think like a ton of my friends had read that book and conversations that we had just kind of naturally absorbed into my worldview. But he has a great quote from that book. I've read it a couple of times since. And it's an atomic habit is a little habit that's part of a larger system. Just as atoms are the building blocks of molecules, atomic habits are the building blocks of remarkable results. And so changing these little things are really important. And so if you focus on your systems over the goals is something that he stresses as well, or process over progress, you're not driving towards this one finish line. And then when you cross it, what do you do? 
you're constantly trying to iterate and make better the system that you have because it's going to push you every single day. So he has four laws of behavior change. I adopted these exact same things as the inadvertent part and I didn't even realize I did it. But the first one is make it obvious. I put into my garage, a squat rack, pulley system. You know, I put in the horse stall mats. I bought all the weights. I totally committed, but then made it very obvious that I need to do this because I just spent, you know, $2,000 in the pandemic to make it happen, took over 500 square feet. It was obvious to me that I need to utilize the system for self-health. First thing. The next thing was make it attractive. I made it look super fun. I bought the right equipment. I put the TV in there. I'm a music head. So I made sure I had my music right. I walk outside and CNBC's on. I'm a finance nerd as well. And then I have this exercise equipment. So I made it like a place that I wanted to go to. Make it easy. To my point earlier about it was just 15 minutes that first day. I didn't overcomplicate it. I didn't go out on day one and say, I'm going to go hit my personal records. I went out and said, I'm going to make this as simple as possible. I'm not waking up at 530 in the morning on day one. I'm waking up at 745. I'm going to walk outside and just hit up the gym for 15 minutes. And I'm going to announce to myself that I am the person that I want to become starting day one. So making it easy. Another thing is like that 1% better every day concept. It's the same thing here. You're starting with 1%. You're not trying to get to 300% on day one. It's that first 1%. And then the last part is that four laws is to make it satisfying. And, you know, I had adopted that as well to where that was the part of just having fun with it and uh, putting it all together for me personally and not going through these, you know, when you first start out, you have results, let's say on a Y axis and time on an X axis. If you think about compound interest, it kind of goes slow, 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 and then it happens fast. And it's the same thing with compound interest of self-improvement and habits being those compound interests. And so the first three months, it's like you're not seeing much. And so it's really important to have fun with it, make it easy, make it obvious, make it attractive. Because over time, now I'm seeing these huge compound effects where now I'm able to you know, reach some of personal records or I'm starting to get close to my old ones that I had. And so those four laws of behavior change, I think are really important. And again, to back up, this isn't about becoming a morning person. That's my story. But what's your story? What do you need to work on? How do you need to change your hierarchy of priorities? How do you need to wake up so you don't get ran over by that car? What are the systems that you're going to put in place to focus on, to take small steps and look back at the staircase of life and go, wow, I'm 10 stories up and I didn't even realize it. I think you bring up some excellent points and especially that last one that you're talking about looking back to measure, right? Because we never know how far we've come if we don't look back to measure how far we've come. And I think that sometimes, you know, like you're talking about the tiny habits, right? The compound interest of these habits. There's a few things that I just wanted to touch on. One was, I felt like this was a good place to talk about something my grandfather would always say. You're talking about being a morning person, right? My grandfather always would say this to me. I didn't understand what he was saying. I figured it out later, but when he was saying it as a child and I was a child, I didn't get what he was meaning by that. But he would always say, if you look like someone, you act like someone, people will treat you like someone. That was just like something he always said. And if you want to be a morning person, you start acting like a morning person people will start treating you like a morning person. Like everyone texts me in the morning. Like, I don't know if anyone gets text messages early in the morning like this, but I get, you know, it's not common for me to get text messages. People know I'm up, you know what I mean? People like it's been put out there that that is it, but I wasn't always like that. And it was like, you start acting like that and you started acting like that morning person. And once you did that, even though it was 745, it might not have been the time that you wanted to be at. It might not have been as early as you wanted, but you did 
do it. And that tiny habit went from lifting the bar to 295 pounds in squats because you could look back and measure your increase. You had a measurement point. And I think so many times people don't have a place for measurement. This is why it's so important when you're working out to take pictures of yourself, when you're doing something to see where you start at. And then you have even the results are even more impactful because you have that starting point. And if this is what we could accomplish in 12 months now, what are we going to do with a lifetime of these type of tiny habits and compound interest in life? I cannot wait. I really can't because this was huge for me. And I have some really big announcements I can't talk about yet that are happening because of all of these little things, getting in alignment and being able to go and achieve way more than you could ever have predicted yourself and like surrendering yourself to the process and seeing that there's more to it in life than just what our little perspective thinks that we can achieve. And if you just do these small things, get them in tune, I'd be so surprised at where life puts you. Absolutely, man. This is great. Is there anything else? I don't want to cut you off. I want to make sure we get this whole thought out and everything's there. I don't want to shortchange you on this. Is there anything else that you're saying, hey, you know, this is a parting gift, a final thought or anything else that you want to share? Just because I want to make sure that we maximize the moment that I have you on now. So please. You know, I read this tweet the other day and I sent it to another buddy of mine and to your point about looking back. So the quote is success is not measured by where you are, but how far you've come. And I'll say it again because it's so powerful. Success is not measured by where you are, but by how far you've come. And I think a lot of people get imposter syndrome when you sit in a room with these people that are at these unreal heights. But where do they start? You know, a lot of us, we just need to get out of the sewer or even below that. We're at these really difficult places to come from. And I don't think people give themselves enough credit for how far that they've come. That a lot of the success should be tied to how far down you had gotten at a certain point and to be able to rebound from that and build up from it. So that's my only encouragement. It's not for everybody to be a chief marketing officer or whatever, or it's not for everybody to be you know, a financial advisor or to be in the inst- institutional asset management space or whatever that title that we give ourselves that people think is important. It's not. It's your own story. Where did you come from? How did you look life in the face and say, no, I'm worth more than this. I'm going to start making the changes today. And whether it's, you know, I'm no longer having that food for dinner because I know it's good for me. That's a huge success that should not be looked over. And all these different areas in people's life. So that's what I just want to encourage people to is that success isn't where you're at. It's how far you come. That's all I got. I'm mic dropping at this point. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me to be able to share this story. I really appreciate it. I'm super excited about life and learning and growing and to challenge ourselves to be able to get through the challenges, to be able to mature and become the next level of you. Absolutely, man. I think that makes so much sense. And we'll end it right there. I don't have anything to add. I don't need to add anything to that. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope you guys digest this. Sometimes when I'm listening to Niall, Sometimes I listen to it twice just because I know there's going to be some nuggets in there. So I hope you guys are all blessed with this. Niall, thank you again for coming on. As you all know, this is the Minority Money Podcast where we are changing the complexion of wealth. I am your host, Inland Miles Mattingly. Until next time. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA 
or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here and until next time.